Hello and welcome back to the Swiss Ballers Pod. It's a bit of a special episode today as we talk about European football. I have uh, Armin with me as usual. I'm also very happy to announce that Toto is back from his one episode absence. We missed you, man. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Good to have you back. And we also have a special guest. We have a European football expert today, another uh, fellow player at Brent FC, our local club in London. It is Dwayne. Welcome to the party, Dwayne. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Experts a bit much in it. Uh, we're, we're, we're selling. We're selling you as an expert. I'm sure. I'm sure you'll dazzle us with some expert takes on yeah. on proceedings. I hope I can. I'm sure. I'm sure you will. All right, boys. Did you did you enjoy that first round of of fixtures, Armin? Um. Yeah, I think we all wish for a bit more drama and a bit more uh, mm-hmm. firework, as you said. But um, <clears throat> yeah, normally the the drama games are in the second leg, but the most legs, let's say, in the Champions League are already decided in a way. Oh, I'm but interesting. Yeah, I'm see. interested to hear which ones you think um, are maybe not decided, or if if there's maybe one or two that might surprise people. But but let's go let's go chronologically. Uh, let's start with with Tuesday's game. The first game we had was was City v v Bayern. City Man City coming out three nil victors over the German champions uh, with Rodri scoring an absolute belter, his first Champions League goal, and what a hit it was! Like left footed curler. Hit yeah. that R one um, from distance <laughs> and and curled it into the top corner past Sommer, followed by Haaland per setting up Bernardo Silva and then adding a third himself with his right foot, making it a three nil lead, and kind of probably what Armand just said that that's one of the games that is decided, or is there is there any way back from here, Toto for for Bayern? I don't think so because, like, as I said on the group chat uh, on Tuesday, I don't see anything better than Man City at the moment. So I don't think there is a way they can do something. But it's still Bayern Munich. We know how good they are and, oh, yeah, like they can return again, but I don't think they're able to do it against a Man City side like this. So, yeah, let's see. And I'm so happy with that defeat as well from Bayern Munich. But that's something else. <laughs> the door, Bayern just the like, like just kept the, in. Sorry, Bayern just like that. The cold finisher you need up top, you know. I don't see Sane scoring. I don't see Coman scoring. They're yeah. just not as lethal, you know. <clears throat> they they didn't play that bad, but they don't have somebody who is an actual scorer, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and and then City that City defense was so good. Every player at yeah. the back, the force in the back, they were so good because like but they could have easily said, scored one two goals, Bayern, you know. Yeah, it's it's a weird yeah, one with Bayern though. Like they, you know, two three weeks ago we were talking about how they're going for all three, the all three titles. They're looking so strong, and then suddenly yeah. all this off the pitch noise. We'll get into the Sane Mane thing in a second. They sacked their coach, Sally Hamid, just doing a madness. Dwayne, were you expecting more from Bayern, or is this pretty much what they're capable of? Um, I think you should probably look more at the side of the Thomas Tuchel versus Pep Guardiola side because um, Guardiola has a phenomenal record against Tuchel. Except in the Champions so, League final. Except <laughs> the one Champions League final that haunts him to this day. He's got a phenomenal record against Tuchel. And 
I think I expected more from Bayern because there were a couple of goals where they were just losing the ball at the back, very schoolboy-like. Mm. And I think for a side of their pedigree, you'd expect them to kind of clean up all the mistakes, but they seem to have that still in their game. So that was a bit shocking. Do you already then, I mean, you talk about the, the managers there, Tuchel and, and Guardiola. Do you already see Tuchel's handwriting in this Bayern side? Do you already make him responsible for this defeat? Nah. I don't think so. I think their squad's just not been in the right mindset with the sacking of the goalkeeper coach and getting rid of Nagelsmann and all the leaks. I just don't think their squad's in the right mindset right now. How far off are they then? From City, light years. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but is, is that down more to, mm. to City being so good? Or are Bayern still an elite European club and City are just another level? Or are Bayern... For their own, by their own standards, not as good as they want to be or should be. But to be honest, I wouldn't say light years. You know, you just sometimes you need that one player, that one spark, that perfect form you need, and then already you're beating them the next year. You know, I think yeah. if Bayern get in uh, Victor Oshiman or a good striker, I think they have the perfect squad. And if not, uh, if uh, Tuchel gets. Um, a preseason with them, and you know when he when he drills them properly, which he obviously can do very good, as we saw at Chelsea. Then I don't see so much between the sides. I just think mm-hmm. it was the perfect timing for City and the worst timing for Bayern, maybe to play them. And for me, yeah. for me, there's not much in it. You, you, sometimes you just need that one player, and he can lift a whole team. You know. But I, I think like we we are forgetting about something because like they lost Manuel Neuer and we know how how important is Manuel Neuer for that Bayern side and obviously we didn't talk much about it because like Bayern are so good but I think in in games like that you you need that guy you need that guy at the back I'm sure that is very important in the dressing room as, as well we are not inside but I'm sure it's pretty important and to lose a guy like that and I think there was a lot of drama about it because like. To have an injury during the winter break while you're doing ski of I don't know, yeah I I think there was that I love Jan Sommer but you can't replace Manuel Neuer with Jan Sommer and we had a discussion about it with Arman and I think we all agree that Sommer is a good goalkeeper but he's not a Bayern level keeper so yeah did you agree though. No, I no, I didn't agree with the, with what you said, but he's not on the level that we expect as a Bayern Munich goalkeeper because we had like Manuel Neuer for ten years, and Manuel Neuer was always like the best goalkeeper in the world, like for ten years. I'm, and I'm now... actually, I'm, I don't know. I mean, you, we had this discussion, and I'm curious to hear Dwayne's perception on this first and foremost because we're obviously, we obviously view Jan Sommer as as almost like the Roger Federer of. Of football no, in Switzerland, at least. Come, nah, 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 no, 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 no. Nah, let me explain. Nah, let me explain. He's nah, like, nah. no, no, no. Let me explain. He's he's so he's such an a, 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 like a, a a figure of identification, right? He's been consistent at the top level for all the one 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 level beneath the top, but he's a top goalkeeper for for ten years now. He's super nice. He's like a genuine guy. He's got none of these like dramas that Granit Xhaka or, or players like that have, and. He's been so good for the national team. He's been so good for Gladbach. So in 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 that sense, he just seems like a really genuinely cool Swiss dude, who many view as the actual captain of the national team, the natural leader. 
and and that's why I compare him to Roger Federer because he he kind of encapsulates that Swissness of like a humble guy, really good guy, hard worker, does does everything right. Like there's a lot of documentation about how he eats well and how he trains, and he's he's only like one six foot or something in English terms, but he still manages to be one of the top keepers in the world. And now it appears that. Bayern was just one step too much, or at least he's not found that form that he has had for Gladbach in a while. So, so we obviously from a, have a very Swiss view on Jan Sommer. So I'm curious from to hear from Dwayne about this and 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 to kind of understand what's your perception of Sommer in general, and does he have the quality to to keep the goal for Bayern? Will he immediately once once Neuer is back? Will he just automatically be their number two, or is he going to is he going to to keep that spot? Does he have what it takes to keep the spot in in that goal? Where do you stand on this? I quite like the point that they were making about Neuer being the guy, but if you look at the Bayern team, like seven or eight of those players have been in this position before. So I don't think you can just look at Jan Sommer and assume that he has the he hasn't got it in him. But that being said, when Neuer does come back based off all his past achievements and whatever he's warranted with Bayern, he's definitely the number one keeper, which makes Sommer the number two. But Is Sommer not good enough then? I don't think Sommer's got the same influence that Neuer has on the Bayern side. With Neuer, you have someone who's been there for 10 plus years. You know him, you trust him. And I think the players in a way look up to him as their leader. Yesterday, I think Bayern, uh, oh, sorry, on Tuesday, Bayern were like distraught for leadership without Muller on the pitch or Neuer. I think they were just lacking ideas. And you can really see the difference between Sommer and Neuer. That being said, I don't think Sommer had a bad game. I think he saved a couple yeah. of for sure goals. Yeah, this was a huge but, debate in, in Germany on, on German Sky and everywhere. A lot of people said Neuer would have saved maybe Rodri's goal uh, or, or even, even Bernardo's. And I mean, make your case, Arman. I'm going to disagree with you. No, it's of course he made he made great saves, but I mean, <laughs> it sounds a bit Roykini, but <laughs> that's what he, I mean. The top keeper needs to save <laughs> needs to save this in these types of games. And sorry, the one nil Neuer would have saved it. I'm sorry, he just would have. You sure about that, brother? I'm 100%. Man, one hundred percent. Ah, no, it there's a, no way. There's a, no way. The way that ball curves, but it wasn't even that top. It wasn't even that hard. Yeah, no, but, but unfortunately, but the there's no there's no metric that defines another goalkeeper would have saved it. There's no way you can actually like statistically and define. He would yeah. for me. He would probably just clip it over the bar, and the tunnel as well. He got a hand to it. And it's very tough, of course. And Nor is a very good and Sommer is a very good keeper, but maybe so, uh, Nor would have saved that. And Sommer is just not good enough for Bayern. I'm sorry. I like him, yeah. but he's not good enough. And even with his foot, we all praise him all the time with his foot. He is so inconsistent and he's not at all calm, not even against Man City in the Bundesliga games as well. I watch Bayern a lot and in the Pokal. He loses the ball so much, he overestimates himself with his feet. He, he thinks he's like Messi. I don't know, sometimes he can dribble to you, even against Paris, you know. So yeah. I'm, not really, I'm not really a big fan of Sommer. Yeah, but and I think like... At, at the time with the situation, it was the best choice. Like they had no other keeper sure. to take. Yeah, th- uh, that, that I, I agree with. But 
he's not going to be the solution for Bayern. I'm 100 percent sure. I also feel like his post World Cup form just hasn't been good enough in general. Regardless of who yeah. he plays for, he was he had a poor World Cup by his standards, and I don't think he's recovered quite. He ju- from I just that. don't want a, a goalkeeper in my team who is who is not who is uh, not tall enough. I just don't want that. I don't. I don't yeah, agree with that. I think he's got the technique. Look at he's, he's, he, yeah, look at yeah, there's, a, there's a number of Lev Yashin as well. There's a number of goalkeepers who were. Casillas was amazing, and he had so yeah, much I know, more. I know. Uh, and he had so much more. Uh, how do you say it? Uh, jump force or. Uh, um, jumping, it was like jumping a cut. Ability. Like a jumping, yeah. He had so much more jumping ability, and Sommer, Hoft, he is against uh, when he was a boss as well. He received a lot of long shots, and he just he just watches the ball because he knows because he knows he can't get to him, and that's just that's just the body that limits him. And I'm sorry. Do you, do you agree with that assessment, Dwayne? From a maybe I'm thinking here. Maybe I'm I'm too Swiss to see this. I think Sommer <laughs> does so well to compensate his height by by doing all the right things. He's probably technically speaking, he's probably one of the best keepers in the world I'm going to go that far do you agree with that assessment I'm talking technically boys in terms of his positioning his handling the way he he positions himself in the box when shots come at him he does everything he can to compensate his lack of height how do you but, see this Dwayne sorry uh, Dwayne it's it's interesting to see that you look at Sommer as a shorter keeper but when he does play in goal he does look like he feels the frame he's always quick off his line He's anticipating stuff really well. I think his cross-claiming could be better. That's an argument there. Uh-huh. But to overcome his height, he's probably one of the best goalkeepers. If you were talking in a pound-for-pound pound sense, he's probably one of the better ones out there. But yeah, the argument know. could be made that Neuer is just such a physically dominating presence that it just yeah, gives more reassurance to Bayern. I reckon also Neuer has the, you know, the the, the 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 German and the Swiss mentality have often been compared, especially where I grew up, in the German part of Switzerland. Like that, the a huge difference in mentality where the Germans just think bigger, better, stronger, and the Swiss are much more humble and and laid back. And Neuer, you know, a World Cup winner, a Champions League winner, almost and two meters me, tall. Like, I'm sure he yeah. commands a different aura of respect to to Jan Sommer, who's like this but kind even of shortish more, I'm going to say it, but for me, there was no better keeper in the history, better than Manuel Neuer. So obviously, of course, everybody respects him and everybody knows how good he is. So I don't think there was a, a way we can compare, uh, we can expect the same from Jan Sommer and, because obviously they don't have even the if, same even level. If, sorry, Tomo. Even if no, I please. think... Um... When I watch a game and, and I saw Man City at a corner and I see Rodri, I see Holland, I see Diaz, yeah. I see Stones, and then I see no, uh, Sommer and I think, poof. <laughs> you know that feeling? That's just, yeah. just think, ah, oh, maybe if a cross comes in, he cannot reach it or he's not, he doesn't look so secure. That's what and, I mean, though. I don't remember a goal conceded by Sommer where you're like, well, clearly he's just not tall enough. He doesn't concede that if he's if he's tall. Yeah, he does really well to compensate. Ooh. A lot of goals okay. he receives. Uh, like, even with the Swiss Bro, national team, uh, I have a lot of goal in mind. Maybe maybe I'm too optimistically well. Swiss here. Maybe who knows? Let's, could it be due to Sommer's age? Anymore, right, to be I mean, he is he is what 35 now, so he is moving, getting along yeah. in years. But and he has played for about. 16 years now so yeah. 
with that age, he probably doesn't have a jump. He probably did when he was in his mid-20s or then when he first be. joined Montreal-Gladbach. Add to that the injury maybe. he picked up in, in right before the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll leave it here, boys. We'll, we'll leave it here, boys. Bayern are going to win the championship with Sommer if they win it. Uh, if they don't win it, that might have been his last go at a top at a number yeah, one position to at a top club. Um, let's 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 leave that and just quickly want to put some light on the whole Sane slash Mane row. Obviously, Sadio Mane has now been suspended after the bust up with, with with Sane, and we've we've chatted about this gossip, this drama a lot in the group chat. Dotto especially <laughs> has loved every second of it. Yeah. FC Hollywood are at the top of their game at the moment. Bayern, everything's going down. Um, players slapping each other. Sadio Mane, who I don't think anyone's expected this of, has, no. has slapped a fellow teammate. I mean, in any other profession, that would not even be even thinkable. Even less during the Ramadan. Exactly. So, what what do you make of that, Dwayne? Is that a sign of, of Bayern being all over the place, or, or is it just a one-off that we don't have to dram- dramatise too much? I think with Mane's character, you would hope it's just a one-off because he's such a humble, nice guy that for him to be the one that has the bust up, you would have to assume that something went catastrophically wrong in the dressing room. And I don't think that would happen again, given his character, I guess. Hopefully so. Is it is it a sign of, of how much pressure Bayern are under at the moment, Arman? Uh, yeah, definitely. definitely. I mean, if this game would have ended 1-0, maybe... This uh, this wouldn't occur after, but yeah. And they, so you're uh, so you're blaming blaming Sommer as well for this because if he saves the two goals, it's only one nil. Yeah, and it doesn't happen. <laughs> it's all Sommer's fault. No, I'm joking. Um, yeah, obviously they they went out in the pokal again, and it's getting a bit too much for them, I think, at the moment. And yeah, I mean the senior players need to need to step up and uh, and guide. To guide them through this difficult time, but to be honest, I don't really make a lot of of this. I mean, I mean of course it shouldn't happen, but it did. And just shake hands and move on. To be honest, it's not that big of a deal for me. All right, last word on this game in one number, Toto. How much percent are you giving Bayern a chance to come back into this tie? I'm going to go with ten percent. Ten percent—that's more generous than than Dwayne and Armand by the sounds of it. Yeah, but it's still Bayern Munich, I, and we know like the bad luck of uh, Guardiola in the Champions League uh, after his time at Barcelona, obviously. But I, I still see like City going through, obviously. But I, I can still see like a comeback from Bayern Munich. Like I would, yeah, I would say with ten percent. Okay. Let's move on to Benfica versus Inter, a game in which a lot of people saw not a clear favourite in, I think. Um, Benfica were, I were given a lot of credit for, for their form, for their league form. They did just lose to Porto before the game, and they, despite that, they still dominated the game. But Inter hit them on the break twice, and Lukaku scored his second penalty in four days. Can Benfica get back into it, or is is that it? I think for me there is no way they can come back. To go play in Milan now, the return game, yeah, I don't see yeah. them come back. It's difficult, definitely. But for me, that's I don't watch a lot of Benfica, but I I did watch them in the Champions League, 
and I was sure that they were going to destroy Milan. Not destroy, but they would beat them because like Milan, Milan is such a bad, difficult phase at the moment, even in the league and even in the Champions League. Like they didn't, I didn't see them being that good. So I was thinking that Lisbon would go through, but yeah, doesn't seem to be the case. Yeah, Dwayne, given given Inter's league form at the moment and, and also how the, the first leg panned out, it, it, were Inter just cleverer or or did was it just bad luck on Benfica's side? Do they have the chance to get back into it? Uh, it's a mix of experience for Inter. I think they've been there, not not as a club, but their players have been in sort of deeper scenarios, I'd say, where they understand the game more. Benfica just seemed a little bit naive. Like they kept trying to press Inter at the back, and Inter just kept finding Bastoni in so much space. And I think both the goals came from Bastoni crosses from the left half space. Um, but that being said, Benfica did create the better chances, and they really should have won the game. It's woeful finishing. I think they had they had a shot blocked off the line from like two yards away that really should have been their goal. Yeah, and, Onana made some good yeah. saves as well. Yeah, to go down 2-0 at home and then have to go to the San Siro, which is a very threatening place for people to enter, I just don't see a way that the young Benfica side can do it. I just it's think a typical Inter... Champions League story, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's the the experienced team who just gets through because they may be less experienced, but maybe technically better team are just a bit... Uh, the the occasion can a bit get to them, and then they miss chances, and the and obviously Inter are ice cold. You see that a lot, I think, in the Champions League, and 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 Benfica just need to need to um, get over it and give everything in the in the second leg. And, and also they, they given that lose now, so you know, Inter still haven't conceded a goal in the knockout stage, so I just don't think that they're gonna throw yeah. away a two 0 lead. Yeah. It's no. Mm-hmm. It's tough. It's it's a but, it's a similar story actually in the in the other in the other game, which is a beautiful segue, obviously, because because Milan Napoli kind of played out the same way. One one side with the size of the club ha- having been there and done that so many times, Milan, and the other side full of young ballers, perhaps came up a bit naively short. Um, Napoli pretty much playing one-way traffic football for 90 minutes, Milan sitting tight and absolutely slapping them on the counter a couple of times. In all fairness, Milan's youngest player is probably the best player on the pitch. Brahim Diaz had an absolute peach of a game. But but the likes of, of Calabria and, and and Teo Hernandez and, and, and also Magna in goal, they... I don't know if it was their experience or what it was. They just they just um, pretty much neutralized Napoli's threat, especially down the left hand side where where Quaraschelia had absolutely nothing of the game. Are we surprised at how good or how well uh, Milan defended or or how non lethal Napoli looked without Oshimen, Dwayne? I think we got to credit Pioli a bit because in the first time they played. Napoli and they lost at home. They were quite naive, and they quite they wanted to play Charles Ketelaer. But in the last two times where they've trashed Napoli four nil and they've beaten Napoli one nil, they've sort of changed up their system a bit. And you could see it with Benassir playing as a ten, but sort of like an anti ten where 
his main job as a creative player is to limit Lobotka. And I think Milan have just completely eliminated the threat of Lobotka, who's one of Napoli's best players. And it's helped them to just shut down the offense. I thought Kwaratskhelia was brilliant in the first 15 minutes and then Calabria just shut him down for the rest. Yeah, he completely pocketed think... him. That's what you're going to look like yeah. against Sheen's winger. on. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> do do, do but... are, Napoli, are Napoli dependent on Osimhen too much, Toto? Uh, to be honest, I didn't watch the game. I was watching the other game. But when you have a player like that... Of course, you are depending on him because he's the bowler, he's the striker, he's the one scoring goals every weekend with Kravats. I'm sorry for his name, Kravatskelia. They are like the two one, the one to like who score every game, do assists and do everything up front. Not not everything because there, there was a lot of good players in that in this Napoli side. But yeah, I think they are depending on him, and I hope he will be back for the the return game to have a very good game because like. As as we know, uh, Angisa and Lee won't be there for the return game. So I hope Osman will be back to have a, a good game to see. But yeah, I remember very vividly when when the draw came out and and Napoli was was drawn against Milan. Our, our good friend Hashi, shout out to Hashi. <laughs> he he's obviously he's a huge, huge Milan fan, and he was very anxious about having to play Real Madrid or. or I don't know, even even Bayern or City, he wouldn't have wanted necessarily. And he was very happy to hear that they were playing Napoli because he felt like suddenly Napoli are under a lot of pressure and we can actually beat them and we can get past them. But even... And I think he, he was, the, the first leg kind of proved him right because that was exactly the game Napoli wanted, their, uh, Milan wanted. Their game plan was sit deep, let Napoli take have the ball, defend well, and then hit them where it hurts. And they executed it to absolute perfection. Like, like you said, Dwayne Pioli deserves a lot of credit for his for his game plan and for how he set them up. The question now becomes: Are Napoli already too weak without you know with with their suspensions, with their injuries, or can they turn it around at the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona in, on what is it uh, Tuesday? Armand, what do you yeah. think? Um, I think they can turn it around. Definitely, a third Oshiman is back for the return game as well. Uh-huh. So. Uh, and the same thought. I watched the Chelsea game, but I, I saw the highlights. And yeah, I mean, of course, I mean, um, when let's say they they just score in the first five minutes, and this place yeah. is gonna be is gonna be rocking, and then all of a sudden Milan are the are the are the underdogs by a mile again. So this this ties not over at all and it's going to be very difficult for Milan but uh, as we saw when they when they when they went there they they beat them 4-0 so they definitely do, they don't they they are full of confidence for sure so it's it's going to be interesting yeah. and I'm going to but watch I, it for sure yeah i think i'm going to watch this game but like when you play for a team like Milan Madrid or Inter Milan as well you know like you have the pressure of the badge you know how good they are, like they were more for Milan and Inter Milan, how good they were in the past in the Champions League. And I think it had something to you, like when you're playing for those teams in the Champions League, yeah. you know how important it is. And I think, yeah, just like Madrid last year, we, we weren't, we, like for me, there, weren't, there was no way they could have win it. But just because they were in Madrid, you know how good they are in the Champions League. And I think that Milan... Are not going to lose that return game and are going to go through just be, 
not just because of that, but mainly because of the badge and that you want to give everything for that team in the Champions League. So, yeah. That's an interesting thing, though, isn't it? It's one of those unspeakable football rules where yeah. if, you, if you look, if you watch the game, you, you're not going to, if you don't know about it, you don't know this. You don't. You can't yeah. see it from the outside. The aura yeah. some clubs have, but but it's. But I wouldn't give it as a, as a decider for the tie. For sure, it's no, there. Of course not. The pride is there, but. Um, yeah, but it adds something to the game, you know. It adds something for sure. But if you if you are um, shooting a ball, do you think of the badge or do you think of? No, no of course, well? but of course. So of course, you can have an impact. You know, you're maybe more uh, more energized, and the fans are often yeah. very. Is it maybe more of a of an impact for the opposition that they know who they're playing against, and nah, it suddenly becomes know. more nah, difficult? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't know. Look at Lampard. Look at what Lampard said uh, after the game against uh, against Madrid. He said, "We didn't know Madrid were that good." How can you say that? I don't think it had something to to the other team. It just had something when you play for that team. Dwayne, final word from you on this game: Milan well, too big, is, or can Napoli turn it around? There is an interesting stat that I saw that Napoli actually haven't beaten Milan at home since 2018. So history favors. Milan right now. And I don't know what's that more Milan's... shocking, that stat or the fact that it's 2018 is five years ago. <laughs> I think 2018 <laughs> being five years ago is a worse. <laughs> it seems like two years ago in a way. Literally, it's crazy. So, so do you, are you saying you're on the side of, of history and you don't think Napoli can, can turn it around? I'm going to back our good friend Hashi and back his confidence <laughs> in Milan. Fair enough. Let's How sick would a, would, a, would a derby be in the semi-final? Oh my god. Oh, Sanchi yeah, would be incredible. It would be that juicy. Would be insane. I always I mean, remember, there's, whenever there's I hear that be... game, I always remember the, the famous Rui Costa and Marco Materazzi picture. Yeah. Where they were like, watch the, watch the flares in the background arm in arm. It's such, a, it's it's such be, an iconic picture. There's going to be casualties on the pitch and off the pitch. Yep. <laughs> someone yep, yep, put yep. like you the, the picture we're talking about someone puts a Chalanoglu on both with both team with both jersey <laughs> uh, that is pretty cool you already you, you already mentioned Frank Lampard there and, and let's move on to that game finally the last of the four Champions League games that we saw this week Chelsea away to Real Madrid Chelsea losing that game 2-0 after Ben Chilwell got sent off as well. Real Madrid added a second goal through Asensio after Benzema opened the scoring in the first half. Uh, Real Madrid never really looked rattled from what I saw. They never really looked out of their comfort zone. They always looked in control. They looked like they could turn up a gear. Maybe this is again the aura we we just spoke about that I know what they're capable of. Mm -hmm. But what did you, you, you said earlier, Toto, you watched this game. What did you make of it? Uh, like I was surprised because I, I was thinking like because of last year Chelsea wanted to 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 do more and do better than last year, but they didn't. They didn't even play. I had the impression that there was only one team on the pitch, and I, I know how good Madrid are. And now after that game, I can see them winning win the Champions League again. The, just the over everything around that that team is different, and I, I know how much I hate them, but. You've got to respect that, and in the Champions League, the, there was no way you can play them. And uh, I don't, I don't see Chelsea going doing uh, able to do something in that return game. For me, the game, the, the game is over, and that's it. And yeah, I was very surprised of the game plan from from Lampard. But yeah, 
Armand, where do you, Armand want to? Where, yeah. where do you where do you rank Real Madrid um, in comparison to to Man City at the moment? Yeah, very similar. I I I would say City would notch them just. Was I think they're just in a bit better form. But yeah, I mean, when it's when it's game day, Real Madrid always find a way to turn up, and they always they're so efficient. And um, yeah, it's difficult to say. I mean, but just on Chelsea, I think the problem Chelsea has now. I mean, in the return game, it's only two nil. Okay, two nil is is a very dangerous score. <laughs> and if they get an early, I can early, we need we need a little sound know, effect here. Every time someone says like a, a silly stereotype like that, we need a little it sound is, effect. It is know. it is dangerous. Imagine they go one nil up in the first five minutes, but there is where the problem um, is for Chelsea. They won't get ra- uh, rattled. I mean, they just don't. They they experienced everything uh, together, and they're such a strong unit. And with guys like Vini and Rodrigo, do you think Chelsea? Do you think Chelsea have sports. that in them though? In the current situation, they just have they just have very good players still. I mean, yeah, that's it. They're a very poor form, but they can turn up. And I was know, just I was just looking at them, and I was watching the game, as well. and I was watching the game, and I just they just don't know how they want to score by the looks of it. I mean, Kante makes a huge yeah. difference just because he plays. If he plays to his instincts, he's a baller. Yeah. But like going forward, there was no clear. Yeah, they have Havertz, and then they have Joao Felix, who are both. Similar sort of in a playing a similar position, completely different types of players though, and then they have the the three man defense with the wing backs like not really bombing well, forward, yeah. and they don't have a goal scorer. Ironically, they really miss Romelu Lukaku, whose wages they're still no. paying. I'm not saying they miss him per se, but they miss that type of player. You know, a focal point, someone who can hold up the ball for them when they're under the cosh a bit, someone who can who can maybe stretch a defense every now and again, someone a, a proper striker. They don't have a striker, and yeah. that. They just so they're so disjointed. I don't see for the life of me how much Real Madrid would have to fuck up um, in yeah. order to lose this. I yeah, it, I it, don't would, see it. it would take very much. But I mean, let's see. If uh, I don't have much confidence in Chelsea, but I wouldn't write them off completely. Okay, Dwayne. An interesting question I saw on the socials this week. Real Madrid. Obviously, we know they had a, an amazing run in the Champions League last year. They they won it after some crazy comebacks. Everyone was talking about the transition last year and, and how the the sort of the, the, the Kroos's and the Modric's are getting old and the new generation needs to step up and it's a transition and they're not going to do much. And then they win the Champions League and, and now again they they're seem to be through to the semi-final and they're, they're in the Copa del Rey final as well. Are they better than last year? I think they're... Along with the amount of like experience they have with Modric and Cruz being there for five or six Champions Leagues, their youth has stepped up. Like you can really see, Rodrigo has stepped up a lot this season. He's becoming a focal point of their attack, and Valverde hitting double-digit goals. You can see that there's a lot of internal improvements along with their recruitment, and Ancelotti discovering Camavinga as a left back oh. is. <laughs> thrown it's amazing how he can shut down his winger but also play as a midfielder when they build out and I think Ancelotti has just found like unlocked their true potential as a Real side and honestly it's funny that you said how much would Real have to fuck up for them because t- to lose the tie I think Chelsea is not going to win the tie I think it's Real Madrid that can lose the tie if, yeah, you, yeah. if you could say that because 
And you also mentioned how Chelsea don't have a goal scorer. So we're halfway through April right now. Chelsea have played four games in April. Anyone want to tell me how many goals they've scored? Zero, probably. And they're just, just a bunch of winners. I mean, I always think that these cha- the Champions League wins. Did they really play that well in all these Champions no. League wins? Not really, no. no. They weren't as exciting as the Barcelona 2015 team, for example. You know, they're okay. just, they just always find a way to get it done. And I'm so frustrated by it, in a way. What a quality that, to have, though. Like, what, what, a, quality what to, a quality to have. That's the ultimate also, quality. Like, I'd rather win yeah. than play fancy football. Ask and I thought fans. to me yesterday, when they, uh, or, yeah, yesterday, I thought to myself, it just cannot be luck all the time. It's just the, the they just, they're just all a bunch of winners who always find the way to win. Even away at City last year in the, in the, in the semi-final, they were getting battered from City. I mean, they had chance after chance after chance, and they and Benzema is just cool as ice, uh, make Panenka penalties, scoring headers from outside of the box nearly. It's just crazy. It's really, it's, it's just, it's, they're such a phenomenal team. Real Madrid is a bunch of winners. It's the easiest way to put that. They're just the, yeah. There's this team that's been there, done that. It's like very easy for them. It's just like yeah. waking up, waking up from the bed. That's how easy it is for Real Madrid. They just do yeah, it. They just they and, just find a way. And the scary thing is they're also doing it while still integrating younger players. I mean, if you see the trajectory yeah. of of a Vinny Junior, of a of like you just mentioned Rodrigo, who's really stepped up this year, who's now a regular starter, of someone like Chouameni, who's come in and and. You know, even last season in the Champions League, where they brought on Camavinga for that game against against City in in midfield, and he He's just kind so of hustles good. it. It's they've just managed to come to do that transition period where a lot of the clubs, yeah. when you talk about transitions, you're like, okay, they give them a couple of years, you know, to kind of get everything in order. Yeah. Real Madrid don't need a couple of years, man. They they win it. They win the Champions League in transition. They're lethal in transition. Yeah. It's, it's so cool but, to to see how. And can, I, think, can I play host here? Can I say? didn't manage to win the league as much as maybe you would expect from such a side. Why do you think that is? I was I was thinking because... this the other day. I was I was wondering about this. You know, like they, what what they probably do is kind of like a that there's there was this comparison to Paul Pogba, who's who's a bit crap in the league, but always sw- switches it on at the World Cup. And he's arguably a better hmm. player at the tournament for France than he is for any club he's ever played for. And but I think that's there's a bad a, trade, right? And in a, in a way, yeah, you could argue that's a bad trade because surely there's a sign, for me at least, you know, a player like De Bruyne, who's just a week in, week out, he delivers assists, he delivers goals in, in the league, whether it's away at Nottingham Forest, whether it's at home to Aston Villa, whether it's away at Liverpool, whether it's home to Chelsea, it doesn't matter. He he brings it up. That's a quality as well. But at the same time, to kind of access those extra gears for Real Madrid when it matters the most, you know, because yeah. then De Bruyne has then gone missing in Champions League finals, you know, suddenly the consistency throughout the season is great. But then, Are you talking know, about that one against I know Chelsea? I know you. No, I'm. Just, I'm not saying maybe that's a bad example. I don't have his <laughs> performance of of that game in my head. But but I'm saying like, both both of them are kind of positives and negatives in one. Because yes, you want the consistency throughout the season, but then also you need that quality to step it up in the big moments, like Real Madrid did in the Clasico the other week. Okay. You know, they were one 0 down. Barca were attacking them, and then suddenly, okay, let's find a gear now because yeah. now 
the money's on the line. Now we need to do it. Yeah. And suddenly, going from Barcelona are going to win the double, they're, they're dominating the league, they're, they're having a better season than Real Madrid. Real Madrid are now in the final of the Copa del Rey. They're now mm-hmm. through to the Champions League. And suddenly you're like, well, who who would you rather be? So I get what you mean, Arman. I think it's a very interesting discussion. Would you rather be that, that the league team, you know, where he's just no, constantly no. consistent, or would you rather be that team who can, when it matters, when the money's on the line, that's when they switch up. Yeah, but in the league it matters as well, and they lost so many points this year. I just yeah. think it's a very interesting topic, and to be honest, I'd rather be a good league side. I, I prefer the, the National League than these Champions League games, to be honest. Really? I think, it, yeah. doesn't it also come down to the manager? Because you have certain managers that thrive on cup success and certain managers that are good in the league. For example, Conte is what you would perceive as a league manager because he's always good in a long season. But his European record is terrible and Ancelotti is essentially a flipped version where his European record and his cup record and his tinkering of tactics for 15 games is much better than a 38-game season. So I think it's the fact that you have limited yeah. amount of games. Some managers just thrive off that. It'd be interesting to yeah. study what kind of defines whether you're better in, in the league over the course of a season or, or you're better in, in the big yeah. moments. I just think the league is such a way more honest competition and I just prefer it to come. I, uh, I yeah, agree with you there. I think, I think it's the same. It would be the most the most logical, the fairest way to figure out, you know, who the actual is, who yeah. the actual best is. But then it's like a penalty shootout, you know, a lot of people say, Oh, that's just luck, that's just randomness, that's just a lottery every time. But there is also a skill involved, you know, to kind of, of step course, up yeah, under yeah. pressure and be like, okay, who can do it when of it course. matters the most and who has that extra extra piece of but when something. You, yeah. Because but I still like for this day and I'm gonna get you need to have some some um, um maybe some motivation as well, and maybe because Modric and Cruz and all these games, get, uh, all these guys are not as hungry maybe in these t- type of games anymore. Maybe it's why they're suffering in the league, you know. Yeah, it's a whole different kind of mental strength to do it through over the course of a fifty-game season as it is to do it in in five six games of, of knockout football. It's a very different ball game, but. Who are we to decide which one is is more <laughs> impressive? The beauty of football is that you have both. Yeah. All right. Let's quickly move on to the two other European competitions after we leave that interesting debate there. Uh, United were cruising to a very easy win against Sevilla. Duane had already taken to Instagram to to diss Sevilla halfway (laughs) through the first half. And you were so right. I mean, I'd already written my notes for the podcast and it was like United with an easy win. Uh, The only thing that might go against it was Bruno and Rashford and then they hit the bar. They could have, they should have, could have been 4-0 up at minute yeah. 70 but it didn't seem to matter because Sevilla were, were not very good they were they were all over the place um, and I don't know they it just never looked like they were gonna they were gonna mess this up and then within the space of like 16 minutes they concede first they concede a silly own goal because Malasia switches off and then gets really unlucky with the rebound then Lisandro Martinez goes off with what looks like a broken metatarsal, so that will probably end his season, which is a big, big yeah. blow to United's back line, having to rely on Maguire. Then suddenly Sevilla <laughs> play with 10 men, uh, 11v10, because United don't have any subs anymore. And United are up against it. You can feel the, the mood in the stadium shift. There's no real leaders on the pitch. Maguire tries. There's, there's one little shot of him trying to rally the troops at a corner, but you could just feel 
that second Sevilla goal coming, you kind of could sense it was too little too late. And sure enough, Sevilla scored another own goal, this time Harry Maguire. And United went from cruising into a semi-final to kind of their season being on the ropes right now because Bruno is going to be suspended for the return game. Rashford is still uh, injured. Shaw is injured. Varane is injured. Lissandra Martinez's season looks to be over. So exactly what we discussed on the 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 first pod this week um, and has now happened where suddenly they're losing their players left right and center and their season you. is in the balance i i must have jinxed it because it's exactly what i thought would not happen are we Told you. as a as a united fan Dwayne, i'm asking you this now are you confident they can get past sevilla they have to win now away from home well like i said previously with uh, milan and uh, napoli history favors the bold and sevilla historically have never lost the tournament if they've made the quarterfinals of the Europa League. So every time they've made the quarterfinals, they've gone on to win the competition. That's a ridiculous stat, actually. Regardless of how it. poor they've been, they've always done it. Yeah. And also, they have never lost to Manchester United. So it's a, it's a kind of a tough one for United to go to Sevilla, despite them being so mediocre in La Liga. It's yeah. sort of like... They're the Europa League kings and they just know how to win the Europa League. So it's sort of a tough one with six players out, six pivotal players at that out. So I just, I'm, the optimistic United fan thinks that Sancho and Anthony and Martial will step up, but the realistic person who believes in stats just thinks that we have no chance going to Sevilla. It's just not looking good for us. You like these stats, don't you? <laughs> yeah. hey, I, I brought on the European expert and he did, he's just delivering. Arman, uh, we, Ma- we, Marcia, Arman, we spoke about... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Marshall was very good yesterday, no? Yeah. He I, was I, fantastic. I, yeah. That's what I thought, okay. He, he just needs to stay fit and he hasn't going. managed that in eight years. Arman, I just, we, we spoke <laughs> yeah. about Arsenal and how you don't really care losing the cup competitions this year. Don't give a shit. You, it's, it's, <laughs> is it sort of a similar thing for United then with the Europa League? Is it almost more important to get that Champions League spot next year so they can get in who they need to get in in summer? Or are you still no, like... You're, you're just not good enough to do both of them. It's, you can't compare yourself to what Arsenal are doing. I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm saying... Okay. I'm not, no, no, no. No, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm asking, is it, a, is it... Where would your priorities lie with um, United? It's what I've been saying all season. It's just getting a bit too much for them now. And they're, I think they're getting the effects of it. And I think Ten Hag has to take some... Uh, responsibility for that for not resting his players a bit more but the, to your question um, yeah I mean it's they're in the quarter final already it would be a bit of a pity if they just say now okay now let's get out of it let's save the league they're in the quarter final and they've they've uh, gone such a long way beating Barcelona it would be a, would be a shame to just to say okay now we drop out I think that they have to go for it and yeah, maybe and just um, yeah, going so for it gives play. them Champions League, though, because if they win the Europa League, they get Champions League. So that's yeah, but, but it's yeah. risky, you know. It's risky. Yeah, but when you look at the other team, like, are you afraid of Turin, of Juventus, or Bayer Leverkusen, or Roma, yeah, or Feyenoord, or team like that? You're not afraid of them. I mean, there was for me, if they get beat, Sevid, I can see them win it, winning it. So, yeah. 
beating Sevilla would give them time to get their players back as well. So. Yeah. Because, like, if, I wouldn't be afraid to go play against Union saint gilloise I mean, if you're United, you, those are the type of game that you know that you're going to win and that you need to win. So, Is it easier then to win the Europa League than it is to... to... Stay in the top four, uh, Dwayne. No, I, I think, I think. Oh, sorry, for Dwayne. Yeah, but I think they can do both. But I will leave it to Dwayne. Well, in the top four race, they still have to play Tottenham and Brighton, who are other top four contenders. So I think the safest way for them is to not put all their eggs into one basket. I think what they're doing right now with trying to attack the two different competitions makes sense, because. If they put all their eggs into the Europa League, they could just lose in the league and then they might lose the yeah. final. But Or if they try it vice versa, there's always the chance that they just lose their players somewhere and lose the league. So I think what they're doing right now is smart, trying to go for both competitions and make the best out of both. But yeah. the responsibility to Ten Hag for not resting his players, I totally agree with that because the game against Everton was so done. Like Everton had no chance and then they didn't take Rashford off and then he pulls his That's boys. That's what I said on Tuesday. It's, it's very I'm gonna, important. Boys, I'm, I'm going to cut in here because this is exactly the same situation as we had last night, right? This is this is what I said to Armin as well on the, on the pod on, on Tuesday. The game against Everton was 2-0. We were 2-0 up. We were, we were cruising, right? The game's over. We're 100% agreed. Same exact Literally same exact situation yesterday. Sevilla were done and dusted. And he takes Bruno off because he's on a yellow. He takes he takes uh, Sancho off because, you know, he wants to rest him for the weekend. He takes Martial off. He takes... Basically, he starts doing exactly what you're calling out for. And it goes tits up. And suddenly you're 2-1 down. And you have your B team on the on the pitch, and you suffer. Mm. Like you can't have not it both ways. Not against Everton team, though. Come on. No, but they not against so that forced. Sevilla team, man. They were so bad yesterday. Up until I think that first yesterday goal, was which just we gifted. a freak of nature. But yesterday was just a freak of nature. Like Malasia falling asleep at the back post. I don't think that happens again. Two own goals. I don't think that happens again. So, I'm saying I think I'm saying this calling for for Ten Hag to take responsibility, which by the way, I'm sure he does. I'm sure he's looking into that with his coaching stuff. But I'm also saying. He said it today in his press conference as well. Hindsight is such a wonderful thing. And you saying mm. this it is a bit of a... The, you're comfortable having that hindsight because I don't think you could have seen... No, because either I one said it before coming. already. I don't have the hindsight. I wa- no, but, you, I warned but, but that's what I mean. Like you, you said this after the Everton game and he listened to you and did exactly that four days later. And they no, lost a 2-0 you know. lead. I don't think they lost they the Tuna lead because of the substitutions. I just think they no, had but a bit of a no, but there's no. I, I promise yeah. you now, if you have, if you keep Bruno on the pitch, if you keep a Martial on the pitch, if you keep a Sancho on the pitch, you're not conceding that second goal. Because I'm actually quite. Changes. I'm actually quite confused why he took Bruno off because Bruno is anyway suspended for the next leg. According so to what he said, well have... according to what he said in the presser today, it was the referee um, basically threatening Bruno to send him off. It, oh. uh, but taking him off just. A lack of leadership and then the players just lose their head. Bruno was a, a weird one, but with Martial, you understand it's to try and ease him back into the side. Of course, but I'm, I'm, my point is you called for one thing on Sunday and now he does exactly <laughs> that and it goes wrong. And I'm like, well, that's why he doesn't do it on Saturday because if Everton score one and he's taken all his good players off suddenly... No. And you I, don't I have the, the, point. The, the strength and depth at the moment. Yeah, they don't. I see the point. I just don't think they lost the game because of his subs. Like, his subs were right yeah. to be, to rest his players. It was all correct. I just think they lost because they just they just lost their heads for just a split second. 
a love severe against some hope and then but it's a different over. it's a different vibe a different atmosphere if you don't have Alanga on Pal- and Palestri on the wings but if you keep Anthony on and you keep Sancho but, on and Bruno you know, but you know what no I mean choice, bro. Anthony no and choice. Anthony and it's, Anthony Alanga both had chances to finish the game so they, I think it's yeah, more of a, it's more of a chance of United not killing off the game than Ten Hag substitutions because yeah, Alanga yeah. easily could have killed off the game if Vekos had squared it to him. Fair enough. Yeah, and it's not just it's not just about uh, yesterday or Sunday. It's about the whole season. I think Ten Hag will learn for this for sure. He just kept playing his best team in every competition. You just cannot do that. It's just gonna kill them. And I I I worry. For, I mean, I'm excited. I agree with I the Everton them. game. I worry for them in, for the future. Maybe they could fall out of the top four and lose to Sevilla. I think it's and a, if anything, all of a sudden it's a bad season. I think if anything, it's a sign that United some... need to reinvest in summer. I hear you. I hear you depth, both, and I think sure, it's just 100%. United need more strength yeah. and depth, and we for will sure. see but... what happens. Finally, let's yeah. cap this podcast off with a quick word on the Conference League as well. West Ham drawing one-one. Fiorentina, perhaps the headline act of that particular competition, with a four-one win away to Lech Posen. Uh, sat third in the Polish league having not such a great season but they're really good at home usually and uh, Fiorentina look very strong at the moment FC Basel of Switzerland they have two ballers in particular that I think Toto wants to give a shout out to and this is your moment yeah uh, there was the the, the Geneva guy uh, Zekiam Duni who scored twice yesterday and uh, Andy Zekiri was on five goals as well they are both on five goals and they are leader of the score sheet in the conference league and Armand didn't argue with me but I'm happy for them because they are supposed to be the, the future generation of the Swiss national team but Armand said fuck them <laughs> which is I think a poor mentality <laughs> but I can see his point because he's a Zurich fan and he doesn't like Basel but I mean I'm happy for them because they're young ballers and to have like when they play in the conference league it's a lot of people are watching it, but maybe not like as the Champions League. But if you co- if you score a lot of goals, then people will watch you, and you can have opportunity abroad and go play in different team, different levels. So I think it's a good opportunity for them. Maybe they won't be able to go through Nice because Nice is a very strong team in the the, the Ligue 1, and with players like Terran Murphy, who scored twice as well with a bicycle kick, which was beauty. And yeah. I don't know if you want to add something, but what a goal from Terry. I, I will definitely highlight that goal if you if you have the moment. Yeah. Go go Google that second goal for Nice, which right before the halftime uh, break, Murphy, the Nigerian striker from Nice, scored an absolute belter overhead kick. Um, I one last thing. Obviously, Sakiri has already played for Brighton in the Prem. Yeah, yeah. He he, I think he's still on loan from Brighton. Uh, where do you see Zeki Andudi? Because I don't think he's he's going to stay at Basel the seasons he's having. I have no idea. I don't know. To be honest, I don't know. It depends because he just arrived uh, last summer. So I would prefer him to stay one year more to just yeah, confirm. I, I know that he's a good player because I, I, I used to play against him and I know how good he is. But I think he needs this? to stay one more year in Basel. And then I think it depends to... if Basel get European football again, which is currently very yeah. much yeah. on the line. But why all of a sudden... Do players after one half of a good season have to go to to Germany and to England already, or to Italy? But no, no, no. It's just like, so ludicrous. And no, I'm not no, disagreeing with you. But he's very good. But probably, or it depends of the of your surroundings, of your environment, uh, who is your uh, who is your uh, manager and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But 
just stay one more year and then yeah, secure, totally. keep that consistency and it's so much better for the play. How many times? I mean, 90% of times we see players coming back to the Super League after maybe two years because they yeah. didn't, they weren't uh, good enough. And then they're too old already maybe to, to make that jump again. So yeah. just and after then, one half season. Yeah, and, and he's I mean, still young. So I think he still have time. Yeah, he has and, a lot of time uh, left. Yeah, and he, he, he did well uh, last year as well with Lozat Sport. Yeah. With, who was like in a bad situation, a very bad situation, and he still managed to score more than 10 goals, I think, in the league. And now he's bowling with Basel. But I think he needs one more year just to confirm everything. And then yeah, if he has the opportunity, move move to another club in another country and confirm everything. But I don't think he's, he's a that good as everybody, as everybody makes out. You think but so? Then- Money talks, doesn't it? That's, if you have a, yeah, of course. If yeah. you have a player in the Swiss league he, and a team in the English in the Premier League is interested in him, he's going to get double the pay, double the merchandising, double the recognition. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's a business for them as well. They need to make most footballers. I need to make as much money as they can because it's their job. That's true. So yeah. money talks. I think if you get that opportunity, you're not going to turn it down because yeah. within the year, if you want to gamble on yourself, stay another year, you could get injured. You could do your career in, and you know it's better to take that money as it comes. Money talks, life lessons from Dwayne, our <laughs> European expert. What a what a lovely way to end this pod, boys! I really enjoyed that today. I was going to go forty five minutes. We've gone over by twelve uh, now due to some really interesting discussions about various things. Thank you so much to my regular boys, Arman and and Toto. Toto, I'll see you tomorrow at the game. Armand, you'll play with my boy Benner on Sunday. You will be available. Dwayne, (laughs) massive thank you from all three of us. Uh, I'm sure you'll be back if you enjoyed this experience. I'm I'm sure our listeners would love to have you back on. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed that. Thank you for having me. Been a pleasure. Thank you, Fabi. All right, boys. Cheers and see you next week. Yep. See you guys.